The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. If you're joining us for the first time or unfamiliar, there's a Bible in the pew back in front of you. If you open that up, it's just like any other book in that it has a table of contents. And if you open up the first few pages, you'll find, keep uh, looking down there, and there's a book, uh, Psalm, and it starts with a P. Psalm uh, 19 today, verse 1 through 6, and we carry on in our series on the New City Catechism. And so we began on Easter Sunday talking about what is our only hope in life and death. And we said that our only hope is that we belong not to ourselves, but to God and to His Son, Jesus Christ. And then we asked the question, well, what is God? And we said that God is creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. And then we spoke two weeks ago on, well, how many persons are there in this one and true and living God? We said there is one true and living God and that He is found in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then last week we answered the question, how and why did God made us make us? And that is that God made us in His own Im- image to glorify Him. Today we pick up with question number five and we ask this question, what else did God create? And the answer of those of you that are following along with us is this, that God created all things by His powerful Word. And all His creation was very good. Everything flourished under His loving rule. So would you read with me silently as I read out loud for us Psalm 19 verse number 1 through verse number 6. The Bible says, the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are there words where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their utterance to the end of the world. In them He has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of His chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run His course. It is rising from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. Join me in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for this beautiful day that we have outside, for the wonderful opportunity to study the Word of God in our Sunday school classes, to fellowship together, to pray and give together, to sing, to dedicate these babies to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then for us to be able to open your Word that is inerrant, infallible, inspired, simply speaking, it is the Word of the living God. We pray today that you would honor your word, that your spirit would move upon us and help us to be conformed to the image of Christ as we look into your word today. We bless your holy name, for it is in the name of Jesus we do pray these things. Amen. Remember a few years ago, uh, I, I so wanted a telescope for my birthday. Uh, Don't ask me why, I'm not sure if I had just been watching the television or watched uh, some sort of program, Uh, but I I remember I wanted a telescope. I wanted to study the stars, I wanted to see the heavens, and I just really wanted that. And so my wonderful wife bought me a telescope for my birthday, and today it is in the corner of my garage collecting dust. 
I find that there are many more of us in this room today that we love to camp in the great outdoors. We want to smell the fresh air. We want to see the beautiful trees. We want to be by the babbling brooks as long as we have our personal hotspot to bring our Wi-Fi in. I'm reminded of the words of Malcolm Muggeridge, who was a reporter for the BBC many years ago. He did an outdoor uh, nature episode, and as they were getting ready to, to film him there, they were rolling out green carpet behind him. You know that indoor-outdoor carpet? They're rolling out green carpet behind him, and Malcolm Muggeridge looks at them and says, what are you doing? And the, uh, the, the crew said to him, well, the real grass isn't green enough. Brothers and sisters, what I would say today is that every last one of us in this room today, uh, maybe beside Mike Mason, are guilty of neglecting the glory of God as revealed in the natural world around us. And if you don't know Mike Mason, you might want to talk to him. He is a land surveyor and he is always speaking to me about the glory of God found in nature. But outside of him today, I would say that the rest of us in this room, we are guilty of neglecting the glory of God that is revealed every day that is around us in God's nature. The second part of Psalm 19 is all about the written and the specific revelation of God, that is, the Word of God, the Bible. And we appreciate the Word of God in this church so much that every Sunday we spend the very bulk of our worship services uh, preaching the Word of God and applying it to the lives of people. But today... We use the Word of God to look at these first six verses of Psalm 19 and steep ourselves in the glory of the creation of the living God of heaven. Amen? Theologians would say that this is general revelation. And though it may not bring moral power and revelation to us, say, of salvation or ethics or judgment, it does shout to us without the use of words of the existence and the power of a living and a holy God. Psalm 19 is what the Apostle Paul has in his mind when you read Romans chapter number 1 when he says that we may know the invisible things of God by the things that are visible, even His eternal power and Godhead. And then he adds these words, because of this, we, that is all living human beings in the world, we are without excuse. Because of the creation around us, there will never be anyone in all of eternity that can say, I never had a chance, I never knew. All people in the world can at least know that there is a God and that He is powerful enough to be worshipped. And if and when somebody in the world, I, I get this question sometimes, we do question Wednesday nights, sometimes somebody will say, well, what about somebody that's never heard the gospel somewhere in the far reaches of the world, somewhere in the vast jungle, or somewhere a people group that has never been reached, what about them? What if they never hear the gospel? I say to you on the account of the word of the living God, they too are without excuse. Because deep, God has put eternity in the hearts of human beings. And deep within the heart of every human being is a consciousness of God. And if they look to the heavens and they look to the vegetation and they look to the wildlife, there is something inside of them that can say, there is at least something that is beyond me. There is a God and He is to be glorified. He is to be worshipped and He is beyond us. And I would say to you this, if and when somebody has that thought in their own soul, God will stretch the heavens 
and make no exception to bring the Word of God of Jesus Christ and His cross and resurrection to that human being. God would exhaust the resources of heaven to bring salvation to anyone who looks to be saved by the coming Son of Christ. So, let's observe a few things in God's creation from these verses today. First of all, notice that creation is continuous in its testimony. It's continuous in its testimony. Look back at the psalm if you would and you see that the psalmist says here, day after day and night after night. You see that in verse number two. Day, uh, or verse number one, the heavens are telling the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the works of His hands. Day to day they pour forth speech and night after night it reveals the knowledge of the living God. Literally it means here, it's a strong word here, and it means to be poured forth and it says day after day and night after night Creation, I would submit to you, is not just Preacher Steve who you come to hear once a week. Creation is not intermittent of its glory of God. Every day, every hour, day to day and night to night, it is declaring the glory of the living God of heaven. Calvin says in our study this week that creation is the theater for God's glory and there has never been a moment in all of our lives in the short existence of humanity that creation was not testifying to God and to His glory. Every time you walk out of your house, every time you step into the world, you are seeing the handiwork of God and He is shouting and screaming to you of His goodness and His mercy and His glory and that He alone is immortal and invisible and God only wise to be worshipped. Amen. I would say to you, many of us in this room, we do our early morning devotions, we read our Bible and we pray, but if you're anything like me, along about 10 o'clock in the morning, you're operating on automatic pilot. Sometimes I even forget that God is there and I'm just doing my work. And if I'm doing that as a preacher, I'm certain that you're doing that in your own life. And I would say to you that your devotional life is not to be left in the closet. But when you walk outside of your front door, every bush you see, every tree you see, every body of water, every animal life that you see, is shouting to you of the glory of God. Did you appreciate it this last week? Or did you just neglect it and expect it to be there? Or did you give Him glory for what has surrounded you? I'm reminded of Joseph Addison's hymn. He speaks of the stars. I love this. He says this, The stars forever singing as they shine, the hand that made us is divine. Every time you see the sun and the stars and the moon, every time you see all of the creation that is around you, you are not looking at some sort of uh, something that just popped into existence. You are looking at the handiwork of God. It is continuous. I would say that second, notice that creation is plentiful. Plentiful in its testimony. Look at verse number 2. The words here to pour forth. In Hebrew this literally means to gush forth like a spring. Just to overflow with the goodness and the mercy of God. And absolutely everything in creation instantly pours forth the glory of God. 
I was watching a few weeks ago this aquatic life program uh, deep in the deepest parts of the ocean. They were showing these jellyfish where nobody, nobody hardly ever dives. Nobody even sees them. They live in the utter darkness of the deep of the ocean and they are full of glory and color and they shine. And I thought, who in the world is ever going to see that except for the eyes of God? God has made every part of creation to overflow and gush out with His glory and with His honor and with His praise. On the other end of that spectrum, this past week I was playing around talking with a friend of mine and we were talking about roaches. I don't know how we got on that subject, but I said to him, you ever notice like roaches would survive a nuclear holocaust? Is that not right? I mean, those little boogers are everywhere. They can hide in everything. I want to say to you, whether it is a glorious jellyfish at the bottom of the ocean, whether it is the farthest flung star in all of the space, or whether it is a cockroach underneath your kitchen cabinets today, they all scream of the glory of God. I try to bring glory to God by being a universal exterminator. <laughs> I was thinking about this... Uh, on my ride in this morning, I was sitting there and, and in between, uh, you know, James kind of slapping at my face and coughing on me as he did up here a little while ago. I was just thinking about this. Maybe God, I don't know, this isn't scripture, this is my own opinion. I wonder if God puts creepy creatures in the world to remind us of just how frail we are. Now look, I know all the men in here are macho, but I promise you that if you looked right beside you and there was a small spider that big, you'd jump up like a little girl screaming. I know you would. Now how is it that a little, a little tiny roach, a little tiny spider like this makes us jump up and scream and shout? Maybe God puts everything in the entire world for His own glory and for the good of us being humbled to remember just how small we are. God's creation has a plentiful testimony. You can't even walk into your backyard. I was thinking about that. You can't even walk into your backyard on a hot summer day without running into an anthill. And did you know that for every above ground anthill that you see, there are more than 50 below the surface? God has brought glory by that. God's creation is plentiful even under the surface. You can see it. You can hear it. You can taste it. You can smell it. In some way you can experience all of God's creation and it speaks of how glorious and wonderful He is. But I would say this, not only does creation show His glory on the surface, yet it is plentiful even in the deepest study of it. There is no shallowness to the glory of God in creation. I, I'm reminded of our dear brother that was here for so many years, uh, Walt Haven, who was our res resident geologist. And yes, he really was a geologist. Walt knew more about rocks than should be legally possible. And Walt would come to my office and he would bring me some sort of rock. I hope this is recorded. Walt, I love you. Walt would bring me a rock from somewhere he had dug out in North Carolina. And he would give it to me. And his face would be shining with a smile. Look at the layers in this. Look at that. And I'm looking at it. And as a pastor, I'm going, man, that's super. That, that's good right there. I have no idea what I'm looking at. 
Even in the deepest study, creation still screams to the glory of God. You know, my field that I work in is to study the Bible. And uh, we could fill this room 15 times over with merely New Testament commentaries that have been written on books of the Bible in the New Testament, let alone the Old Testament. In fact, they said that if uh, the books would have been written of all that Jesus did, the world could not contain the volumes. And I love studying the intricacies of the Word of God. In fact, I would point out to you, I don't have time today, but you'll notice in the first six verses that six times it says uh, a, a word here for speech, that all of creation is speaking of the glory of God yet without words. And in the next three verses, there are six references to the Word of the living God. Isn't that wonderful? And I love the intricacies of the Bible. And you can study it inside and out and you can never plumb the depths of the Word of the living God. And so all of creation is the same way, is it not? It all speaks to the glory and the goodness of God. It is plentiful in all of that. In fact, this past week I was reading, I think you'll find this interesting, uh, I was reading about this man, Robert Jastro, who was the Goddard Institute for Space and Study. He was a, a great astronomer and cosmologist for NASA. And uh, when the uh, Big Bang Theory came out, uh, they, uh, they discovered that, uh, lo and behold, just like the Bible would say, that there was some beginning to the universe. That uh, matter and the universe are not eternal in nature and that they had some sort of beginning. And um, this man who was the president there of the Goddard Institute for NASA, he began to listen to all of these scientists speaking and he took note about how much they hated that. In fact, even he said, reported that Einstein said he was angry to find out that there was a beginning to the universe. So much for unbiased science, right? He wrote a book called God and the Astronomers. Listen to what he says. In my case, it should be understood from the start that I am an agnostic in religious matters. He goes on to explain the evidence for the creation of the universe via the Big Bang Theory. And this is how he ends his book. Listen to this. For the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He has scaled the mountains of ignorance. He is about to conquer the highest peak. And as he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries. I don't claim to be a scientist, nor am I going to dive into all of that. I leave that for other people. But I simply would submit to you today that the Bible teaches that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth and to Him belongs all the glory. And I believe that when we set our bias aside and we simply begin to look honestly and rightfully at the world that is around us, we not only find it intelligible, but we find that it points us to an intelligent being. And the Bible would say that is not only a transcendent God, but it is an imminent God who is involved in our personal lives. Third, I would say this, creation is universal in its testimony. This is what is meant by the language of verse number three and four. There is no language, no people group, no tribe or nation where the testimony of creation is not heard. In fact, there's no place on earth nor in the entire universe where the voice of creation does not cry out of the glory of God. These few verses teach us 
that every human being should bend their hearts and their souls before the living God of heaven and give Him honor and glory for His existence, for His power, and for His Godship. But I would say to us today, that is exactly what we do not do. Without the interruption of God's special revelation, mainly the Word of God and His Son, Jesus Christ, in fact, the Bible says in Psalm one or in uh, Romans one that we begin left to ourselves instead of looking at creation and giving God glory in our fallen condition. We look at creation and give creation glory. We worship the created more than the Creator. And in fact, what we end up doing is not only looking out into the world and worshiping creation, we look inwardly at ourselves, God's highest form of creation, and we begin to worship ourselves more than we worship the God of creation. And we damn ourselves to an eternity without Christ in everlasting judgment because we have turned in upon ourselves and instead of worshiping Him and His Son who died and rose again for us, we worship ourselves. We are doing the exact opposite of what we should be doing. Creation is universal in its testimony to the glory of God. Let me give you one more point. We'll finish for today. Creation is figurative in its testimony. Look at verse number 5 and 6. tells the story of the Son in these verses. And you'll notice here that it says that the tent for the sun is simply the night sky as it goes into darkness and the sun rises and it runs its course. That's what it's talking about. And it comes out like the bridegroom and like a young man. The, the sun is full of energy and glory. And you can see that. And, and what's amazing is that we know today so much more about the sun that shines on us every day than David could have ever possibly known. But what is so incredibly ignorant of us is though David knew half as much, he gave twice as much glory to God than we ever give to God for what we see around us. We are the people who live in perpetual night. We are the people, as C.S. Lewis would say, that live in the winter that never stops. And I would say that verse number 6 is correlated with Malachi 4 and verse number 2. We need what Malachi says commenting on this. He says this, For the sun of righteousness to rise with healing in its rays, surely this is also the Christ from Luke chapter number 1, verse number 77, to give to His people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, of the mercy of God by which the dawn... Will will visit us from on high to shine on those who live in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Brothers and sisters, when we see the sun, when we see the stars, when we see the moon, when we see all of creation, it should point us to the everlasting truth that creation needed God and creation was created by God and we need Christ. I like what C.S. Lewis said. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe in the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. This last Monday, some of the deacons and I, we were up off of uh, Glenwood Avenue and we did the funeral service for Mary Bird. 
And uh, there were just some testimonies that were coming out of that. And I, I love what somebody got up and gave a little testimony about Mary. And they said, you know, Mary, she lived in that little apartment. And uh, she would always come over and she would say, hey, look at this. And she'd walk outside and she'd point up to the trees and she'd say, hey, you see how those leaves are blowing over there? But that tree, the leaves aren't blowing. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? And she'd grab you again and say, hey, look at that. Come out here. And she'd walk out and she'd look into the sky and she'd say, look at those cloud formations. Look at this and look at that. She had a sense that all around of her, of God's glory, she appreciated what God was doing in all of creation and she worshiped Him for that. Do you do that? Do I do that? Or do we neglect it? I would say this, this week, all of us in this room need to look up from our screens and look out into God's creation and give Him glory and honor and praise for His existence, for His eternal power, and His Godhead. What else has God created? Everything in the entire universe. Shame on us if our noses are stuck somewhere else and we're not giving Him glory for what He has done. I would say this this week as you begin to look out around you. If you look and you listen closely enough to creation, you will find that it is groaning. Isn't that what Romans 8 says? Romans 8 says this, that the creation around us is groaning for redemption. Though it is beautiful, it is fallen. And I would say that you, my friend, you are unique and you are beautiful and you are God's creation, but you're broken, you're sinful, you're fallen. You failed God this week. Jesus, God's Son, came into this broken world to redeem broken people that we might restore His broken creation through the power of the living Christ. Turn to Jesus. Lay aside your pride. Lay aside your arrogance. Look to the cross. Believe on Jesus and He will restore your soul. And as He redeems you into the new creation... So we go out into the world as God's servants, redeeming and restoring and living for Him. How might you leave here today and apply this? Let me just give you three things. Number one, just start by giving thanks for the creation you come into contact with this week. Would you just begin there? Because I, I need to, right? I'm preaching this sermon not, not only to you, but to me too, right? So every time I point a finger out this way, I've got the three pointing back at me. I'm just as guilty as you. I leave my house in the morning. There's grass in my yard. There's a tree right square in the middle of my yard. I'm going to give glory to God for that. Now those birds that are in my tree that dive bomb my truck when I start to leave, I'm not giving glory for that, all right? I'll just confess that when I get to church. Would you just start this week by giving glory, just giving thanks? You, you, you'd be amazed at how your Christian life would grow if you would just give thanks for what God's already given in your life. 
Now, you might not have started there, right? You, you want to start with your job. You want to start with your spouse. You want to start with your children. You want to start with your grandchildren. And all of those things are wonderful. But maybe this week you just begin at the base level and say, God, thank you so much that I don't have to tell my lungs to go in and out and my heart to beat and my feet to walk. And that when I walk outside, I'm not on some distant planet somewhere where the gravitational force is so heavy that it power drives me into the ground where I can't breathe and the oxygen is sucked from my lungs. Thank you that somehow, some way, even though we keep looking into the distant galaxies, so far we've only found one place in all the world where life as we know it can exist in the way that we know it. Thank you that somehow you put me here. Would you start there? Just give thanks. You'd find that no matter what's going on in your life, you'd be a little bit better off and you might not be so mean if you just be thankful. Okay? Just be thankful. Uh, here, here's the second thing. Use creation to help your devotional life with Christ. I said it a little bit ago. You know, don't just read the Bible in your devotional and then forget that God exists until you get home at night and say your prayers. Why don't you do your devotions and when you walk inside or you're driving to work, listen, I told my wife, I almost put up on my Facebook last week, dear 440 driver, I am going to get on the interstate. And my 03, you know, Ford Ranger, I could care less whether I lose some paint on it or not. Up to you, but I'm coming on. Before I even get to God's house to work, this is my job. I'm angry. I'm like 10 stops. Ah! Why don't you get in your car and as you're driving to work, why don't you just look around, just keep your eyes on the road. Now look, there's a lot of stupid drivers out there, so don't look at them, all right? But just look at some trees. Look at what's out there and continue to worship Jesus. It's not what the New Testament tells us in the book of Hebrews, that He is the creator and sustainer of all things. By Him, all creation came into existence. On your break, on your way home, take a walk in the evening time, worship God by what He's given you. And then number three, when you share the gospel, you bring redemption to people and creation. And ultimately, that's the purpose for which we live, to glorify God by making disciples of all the nations. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you to share the good news of Jesus Christ. When we look around the world, we do see a fallen world. We see the marks and the stains of sin. And when you look at the lives of every human being in the world, you not only see the glory of God and the image of mankind, you see fallen people with broken marriages and broken families and children gone wayward and addictions in their lives and all kinds of things. I'm telling you, I wish you could sit in my shoes for one week. There are people not only out there but in here who are suffering and struggling and massive sin issues. And I want to say to you, share the gospel. Share the good news of Jesus. He is the answer for every problem that every human has ever had in all of the eternity and all eternity to come. Jesus is the answer. And insofar that you bring Christ to bear on somebody's life, you're a part of His creation, restoring it to the image of His Son. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a moment? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Hey, brothers and sisters, we're... 
sing together in just a minute to end our service. I'm just going to give you an opportunity right where you are. Maybe you've not prayed this week. It's okay. Listen, don't beat up on yourself. But right now it's quiet. Other than me speaking, it's quiet. Why don't you just start praying right now to the Lord? Don't worry about zipping things up. All right? I promise you, we're even going to get out early. So don't zip it up. Just pray. There's something going on in your life right now. And if you, if you don't know that, just be quiet. God will bring it right straight to your mind. And whatever He's bringing to your mind, unless it's going to the restaurant, why don't you just pray through the sermon on that? So Lord, I want to worship You. I want to, I want to bring glory to You. I want to be a believer in Christ Jesus. Bring that to bear on what's going on. If you're in this room today, and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but maybe you've heard something and you're thinking, man, I, I need something more than what I have. I'm empty. There's Something's missing. The Bible says in childlike faith, come to Jesus right now if you'll lay down your pride and your arrogance and everything you've ever been taught about religion, and you'll just say, Lord Jesus, save me. I'll follow you all the days of my life. In sincerity and humility. Don't, don't make that prayer unless you're ready to walk with Him the rest of your life. And for many of my brothers and sisters in here, maybe we need to repent and say, Lord, in the last seven days, I've not even one time said thank you for the air that I've taken to my lungs. I'm so unthankful for what I don't have and what everybody else has that I've forgotten and neglected to be thankful for what you have given me. Oh, my brothers and sisters, I, I feel that if we all prayed that way, there'd be some revival in our hearts. For we are selfish people. I know some of you are hurting. You have genuine concerns. This is not in the slightest saying your concerns and your hurts aren't serious. I'm just asking you like the Apostle Paul to put it in perspective. These are momentary afflictions. And we will live forever with our Lord and Savior. So let us worship Him and be thankful today for what He has done. What else did God create? Everything. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.